Hi, hello. Welcome to the episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is December the 5th, 2023. Hopefully this episode finds you well in good spirits and high hopes. As for me, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I won't, you know, take up too much time here, but I do officially, I think, have a cold again, which is crazy, back to back. Um, overall, though, I'm, I'm feeling okay. Just a little bit of a cough, a little, little throaty action. But, you know, we're hanging in there. We're doing all right. Uh, work was another busy day. Uh, I, I officially decided today that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take some time. I'm going to take a couple of days from me this week. So at some point this week, I'm going to take a little bit of time for myself. I'll still, you know, probably be on the podcast. I don't see why not. You know, I love this shit. But, um, yeah, definitely feel like I could use some R&R before we get you know, into the thick of this month, which is going to be probably the week or two uh, leading up to Christmas. So yeah, I I was really happy to get those days greenlit. Uh, Let's see here. Food Corner. I do not have anything to report. Very ho-hum, usual business. Uh, Let's see here. I'm going to go ahead, go ahead, do my startup, and then we will get into some news, do a little coverage, do a little talky talk. All right. <coughs> Excuse me. Our first story comes from The Guardian. Nigerian army drone strike accidentally kills at least 85 civilians. A, <coughs> excuse me. A Nigerian drone strike, a Nigerian army drone strike accidentally killed at least 85 civilians observing a Muslim festival in the Northwest on Sunday. The country's armed forces have admitted villagers in Tudunbiri in the state of Kaduna had gathered for the Malud celebration when at about 9 p.m. they heard what sounded like an aeroplane followed by a huge explosion. We couldn't even run. Danjuma Salisu, a survivor, said from his hospital bed we, where he was being treated for hand and leg injuries. Now, um, Nigerian top brass have apologized. I know I think the president is currently at like COP28, uh, whatever. We might get to that at some point in the near future. But um, yeah, that's another thing. Uh, But, you know, essentially saying, hey, we're going to look into this. We're going to investigate it. But um, I mean, just super horrific. And essentially they are, you know, the Nigerian army is trying to fight back against terrorism. Uh, I believe Boko Haram is the group, and there might be uh, other groups that are doing stuff as well. Um, and that is, that is a big thing that they are trying to combat and fight. But um, I did want to read another quote from a villager. Uh, Idris Dihiru, a villager said, I was inside the house when the first bomb was dropped. We rushed to the scene to help those affected, and then a second bomb was dropped. Um... Also, not to mention not just the 85 people, but 60 people were also injured in um, the event, and they were sent to the hospital. Uh, just just an, a, an incredible, terrible loss of life, and all for nothing. Essentially, these people died because you guys were trying to fix a problem, which you made worse. Um, a lot of money goes into this, and you know, for them to kind of drop the ball like this and to be like, oh, well, we're sorry, it's our bad— 
and not to mention reading in this article, this is not like just like a one-off thing that just happened. Uh, there's another story I want to read from here. And Nigerian military bombing raids have caused civilian casualties in the past. At least 20 fishers were killed and several injured in an attack in September of 2021 when the Quitar Daban Masara on Lake Chad in the Northeast, uh, when the military mistook them for militants. In January of 2017, at least 112 people were killed when a fighter jet struck a camp housing 40,000 people displaced by jihadist violence in the town of Ran near the border with Cameroon. Uh, I mean, those are just kind of numbers that just are unacceptable when you are literally killing your own people and being like, oh, it's our bad. We're so sorry. Oh, never happened again. We promise we're going to look into it. And then oftentimes it doesn't even get looked into. We don't even actually go, hey, you did this. You should suffer some kind of some kind of, uh, you know, consequence. Nothing. So. That's very unfortunate. It's very fucking sad to see. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, condolences and thoughts go to the family for sure. Families. God damn. Um, let's go ahead and move on. It's another night. It's a. It's another Guardian joint uh, from the Guardian. <laughs> Maduro vote to claim Guyana's territory backfires as Venezuelans stay home. The government of Guyana has breathed a sigh of relief after a refer- referendum. To intended to rubber stamp Venezuela's claim to about two-thirds of the uh, South American country's territory appeared to have backfired. Nicolas Maduro has hoped to leverage the company's century-long claim to the disputed Esquibo region to mobilize public support, but voting stations across the country were largely quiet on Sunday as most voters shunned the issue. The turnout appeared to be so underwhelming that the Venezuelan government has been widely accused by analysts of falsifying the results. So I'm already here. This kind of bothers me. Um, and I'll say this, too. I don't know enough about Venezuela to have like a super deep, strong, robust opinion to give you guys. And I always hate that. You know what I mean? I've talked a little bit about it, I think, when when Biden was like, you know, coming hat in hand to negotiate with Venezuela because we had said, hey, we're not fucking with you because you guys are the bad guys. Maduro, he's like a dictator. He's a bad guy. But yet, oh, Russia will give us some oil. Will you give us some of your oil, please, please, please? So you know what I mean? It seems like these are the kind of people we work with and we fucking have to. Uh, but in this situation, it does seem like a lot of the coverage, which again, the Guardian is, um, you know, UK related, whatever, but that's Western. Um, it does seem like there's a lot of negative connotations around Maduro. And if he's a dictator, bad man, bad man, bad man, then okay, totally. You know, I'm, I'm with that then. Um, but I don't know. I remember I, I kind of bought the bullet, you know, with Chavez, Hugo Chavez and, and, and other motherfuckers. And it's like, well, these guys get painted with a very, broad bad brush and then you see some of the details and some things some things and you go oh well maybe i'm wrong about my assessment that i was initially given so i i really don't fucking know but that being said uh the claim to guyana i believe it was something that was set up um let's see venezuela has laid claim to the oil rich esquibo region ever since it gained independence from spain in 1811 alleging that its borders were drawn up unfairly in an international act of collusion which I'm willing to buy that. That sounds something that, you know, uh, governing hegemonic powers would be like, mm, yeah, this will work out the way we want it to and not give a fuck about where it actually should go, the land, the territory. Um, that being said, this has become a very tense scenario. I know um, 
Brazil has even talked about shipping in troops, removing in troops. I'm not sure if they have. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely got people on a state of alert. And I think the way this article is kind of worded and the way I've read and seen other articles is that like, oh, Maduro fucked up because he's been like, he's been even getting on TikTok, which is a classic move. You know, I got to reach the use and, um, you know, laying out this like bulleted plan about how this is going to be so good for us. And then essentially people didn't come out for it. And now it looks like, oh, well, you fix the numbers, you rig the numbers for this shit. Which is like, I don't know, I mean, are they going to be able to prove that? Probably not. They're probably not even going to get the ability to prove that. Um, and it also sets up a potentially bad standard for, you know, future elections. Because if he's just going to rig them, then that's, you know, that's bad news bears. But, um, yeah, like I said, I, I really don't want to get super deep into this this situation, this this thing. Because I, I feel like I don't know enough to give you guys, uh, you know, an, an, the proper real coverage. But I'm, I'm doing what I can. I'm at least trying to talk about it. I'm trying to put it up on the board for you. So, you know, this is the thing that's happening. Um, it looks like more or less Maduro is getting what he wanted, whether that is by fair or unfair means. Um, but we'll see if there is any blowback, if there's going to be any kind of conflict from this. I don't, I don't fucking know, <laughs> to, to be completely 100 with you. So yeah, on that note, we will leave it and go on to the next beat. From the Associated Press, man featured in hit podcast S-Town shot and killed by police during standoff, authorities say. A man featured in the hit podcast S-Town that chronicled events in rural Alabama community, in a rural Alabama community, was shot and killed by police during a weekend standoff in the town, authorities said Monday. Joseph Tyler Goodson, which I'm not sure if he went by Tyler Goodson or not, but um, 32 years old of Woodstock, was shot and killed by officers after he barricaded himself inside a home and brandished a gun at officers early Sunday, the Alabama law enforcement agency said. The agency statement said the Woodstock Police Department had initially responded to a call of service early Sunday and a standoff ensued. Multiple law enforcement agencies con- converged on the home. Um, now, Goodman, uh, you know, in, in this situation, he, he's just like a local citizen, and this was a big blow-up thing, very fucking unfortunate, very sad. But in the scheme of what is S-Town, um, which I'm going to describe by this little highlighted thing right here, um, the t- uh, 2017 podcast, which won a Peabody Award, told the story of an Alabama man named John B. McElmore, or not McElmore, uh, McLemore, who died by suicide before the show came out. McLemore's use of an expletive, McLemore's use of an expletive to describe his hometown gives the podcast its abbreviated title. So S-Town is the name of it. Um, S-Town begins telling the story of a reputed killing and also another death that winds up focusing on the eccentric uh, McLemore, a restorer of antique clocks, and his tortured relationship with the town of Woodstock. Several people in his life were also featured, including Goodson. Um, so Goodson, I think kind of refers to him as like, almost like a daddy never had type of figure. They were like really close friends. Um, but let me, let me kind of take a bit of a tangent and talk about S-Town because I was so 
so like initially enraptured by the story that I like I bought the bullet. I was like, I gotta look into this. So when I started listening to this, I was immediately like, okay, this is a lot all at once. Uh, I believe Brian Reed is the host of the podcast. Um, it is a serial production, which we've talked about serial before. They've been involved in other big news stories, actually, breaking things, doing things. And overall, I, I would say a positive way. I mean, it's kind of disruptive, but essentially they're doing almost like a podcast that is such investigative journalism that they usually wind up like breaking a story in a way that hadn't been broke before. And they like they change things like uh, what is it? I know I'm getting his name wrong. I need Syed, I think his name, but he was literally freed from prison from a podcast like this, like, like S town. Now in this situation, Macklemore is saying, Hey man, I listen to you. I really like your shit. And I know about this murder that like everyone in my town is talking about, but it isn't solved. And like, no one's doing anything about it. And like, this town is so corrupt. It's so fucked up. It's so bad. You gotta fucking like come here and see the shit for yourself. You gotta like fucking break this story. And Brian, <clears throat> says, okay, I'm interested. He hits him up. They get to talking. And he says, you know what? I'm down. I want to go. I'm going to come to Alabama. I'm going to come to Woodstock, and we're going to fucking crack this shit. And he just gets into the story. Now, this is the kind of shit that, like I said, this gets me hook, line, and sinker, right? Like, oh, my God, true crime? We're about to solve the whole fucking murder? This feels like true detective. I'm in. But, like, when you initially start hearing John talk and, like, go ad nauseum, really, like, say his shit. There's just something that's really kind of weird here. And then I start thinking about Brian, too. And when I was I was reading a Vox article as I was listening to the first episode. Um, and, like, they were breaking this down. And maybe there's a bit of a slant there. But, like, they were roasting this Brian guy. And I'm immediately kind of feeling the same way because it's, like, I feel like you've come here a bit too soon. You've gotten to Alabama a bit too soon because usually when a podcaster is kind of going through these kind of stories, especially in like a limited series, right? We're going to be getting somewhere. But like the more he's talking to this guy, the more it seems that this guy doesn't really seem that 100. And then two, that like Reed has not done his due diligence. And that to me was just really bothersome. So I'm reading through this and I'm like, oh, spoilers ahead. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Tell me what's going on. What's going on here? By the fourth episode, you already find out that like John's bullshitting. He doesn't know shit. He doesn't know shit about fucking Shirley when it comes to this murder that he's brought Brian here for. And like, I think at that point, Brian goes, oh, okay, well, this is what it is. We'll kind of like, you know, use what we have, call it a fucking podcast, which is kind of one of my beefs about limited series is they give you a hook. And then you never actually get the conclusion that they are telling you they're trying to find and get. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm already turned off by that. Um, But essentially what winds up happening is John commits suicide. So that brings Reed back. And then he goes, and not to mention uh, Goodson is involved in this whole thing. I'm getting back into the article, of course. Um... And there's more to it, too. Apparently, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Goodson, even like, robbed Mac, uh, McLemore's grave for, like, rings or some shit that he thought he had on his grave. 
Like, what the fuck? That's weird. That's odd. So, I mean, all of these characters are definitely fucking characters. And, I mean, if you want to get into the, the series for that, then sure. But I, I do feel like there was a bit of investigative journalism errors here. And I'm sure, I mean, who are you to talk, Isaiah? You fucking barely do your own fucking shit. Uh, okay, yeah, but I'm just a home guy. No one gives me fucking money outside my goddamn Patreon, okay? Like, <laughs> I'm not getting fucking Spotify money to do my shit. You fucking feel me? Um, so I, I kind of felt like that was a bit loose and I feel like this whole thing that is supposed to sell you on true crime limited series winds up becoming a slice of life about an Alabama gay conspiracy theorist loner guy who didn't know exactly where you fit in and calls up a podcaster to kind of like just talk about his shit and just have like a moment. I don't know. It's a whole fucking thing. But needless to say, Goodson he has this altercation with the fucking police. So when I initially read this, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, maybe this is a fucking conspiracy. And now I'm like, by the end of reading the Vox article, I'm like, oh, these are just a couple of, I don't know, quote unquote, good old boys getting into bad situations. I I really don't know. Uh, Maybe, um, you know, McLemore is right and there's totally untoward shit going on, all kinds of bad shit going on in Alabama. I don't fucking know. But at the end of the day, you didn't have real substance on this fucking, you know, killing. And I kind of go, well, then this is kind of the boy who's crying wolf here. It just was a real whole ass fucking loop. It's kind of crazy to me that that uh, this podcast got a fucking Peabody. Maybe that's just me being a fucking hater. I don't fucking know. But um, if you know more about the situation, if you are a S-Town listener and you feel like I'm besmirching the whole fucking name of this shit, then by all means, hit me up. By all means, you know, say say hello, tell me how I'm wrong, and, you know, I'll try to correct the record. Uh, but yeah, uh, very interesting story all the same, and I couldn't help but talk about it. So, we have one more thing to cover before I let you go. But you know what that means, right? If you're an avid listener, you know what I'm going to do here. You know I'm about to take my last break, and then we are going to talk about Spotify. But, you know, let me do my thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. From Reuters. Spotify to cut... 1,500 <coughs> jobs in third layoff round this year. Shares jump. Music streaming giant Spotify said on Monday that it will lay off about around 1,500 employees or 17% of its workforce to bring down costs after letting 600 of its staff go in January and 200 more in June. The U.S. listed shares soared about 11% to trade near their two-year high of $200.46 in early trading. Um, let's see here. Also, it's added in this article that um, uh, layoffs are going to most likely be happening in Amazon and uh, LinkedIn. So, that, I mean, I hate this shit. I, I, I really fucking do. This shit makes me mad in every sense of the word. Uh, in the words, I don't fucking know, but um, in a letter to employees, Spotify CEO Daniel Eck 
said the company hired more than more in 2020 and 2021 due to the lower cost of capital. And while its output has increased, much of it, it was linked to having more resources. Excuse me. Spotify will incur about 130 million euros to 145 million euros in charges in the fourth quarter due to the layoffs, the company said, adding that the majority of the cash component of the charges will be recorded in the first and second fiscal quarters of 2024. I feel like um, more or less what Eck and the higher-ups are trying to accomplish here is they said, hey, we fucked up. We've made a mistake. And now we are not going to make as much money as we want. And us and our little fucking piggy shareholders are not going to make the money that we said and wanted and projected. So how do we get as close as we can to that without, you know, losing money? Because I think, what is it, their third quarter, they're actually profitable in a situation where they've been struggling to be that. Uh, I think all the streamers, whether you're, you know, a fucking Netflix or you're a fucking Spotify, like you are, it is a hard gig that you got yourself into because you thought it was going to make you a whole lot of money for nothing, but it doesn't. Um, I really do feel like though it's fucked up. It's fucked up because at the end of the day you were laying off motherfuckers and maybe I have a negative bias here. I will never forget when my dad got laid off from his fucking company and that like, you know, that year and how much of a transition that was, how much of a struggle that was. And as I got older and I look at these companies and how they move and how they operate, a lot of times they're doing this so that they can just, once again, consolidate their losses so that they can make just a better bit of a profit margin, once again, for their little picky shareholders to make their fucking money. And the CEO can justify his fucking big ass fucking paycheck. And it's like, oh, we're so sorry. We're putting you out of work in like, you know, the worst time right before fucking Christmas. I know someone also mentioned too, it's like, isn't that so fucking cute that the Spotify rap drops? And then, like, right after that, then they do these layoffs. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of icky. I don't fucking like that shit. Um, And I get it. No one's perfect. Companies make bad decisions and directions, and and, and sometimes there's a price there. But if if that's the case, then I want to see... The only head I want to fucking see roll is the goddamn CEO. The motherfuckers at the top of the pop. Like, get those motherfuckers first. Like, I don't know, man. It just makes me really fucking sad. It makes me really fucking frustrated. Um, but that is what it is. You know, I mean, you're working in the tech sector. I guess it is a very volatile business, but it's volatile because these people, once again, eat with their goddamn eyes and then their stomach can't fucking handle the fucking trauma. And they go, Oh, we got to fucking make sacrifices. I'm so sorry. Fake tears, fake tears, fake tears. Um, so yeah, man, uh, it's bummer news, but, um, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes I got to bring it to you that way. Uh, but that's the episode. That's where I'll leave it. Uh, let's see here. Patreon.com says Isaiah News. If you'd like to support the effort financially, there's a way to do that. Uh, become a newsie today. I uh, shout you out at the top of the month. I plug a project if you'd like. Three ways to hit me up. IsaiahNews1 at gmail.com. Feel free to find me or the podcast on all the socials. And then uh, hopefully you're subscribed to the YouTube. Uh, leave a thumbs up. Leave a comment. Uh, on whatever app listening thing you're on, feel free to leave a review. All the stars are welcome. Um, but yeah, hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.